Welcome to Zero Brightness, a podcast about horror video games. My name's Ali. I'm joined by my friend James. How's it going, James? What's up, gamers? I'll tell you what's up, gamers, is that there is this crazy thing that came out on Itch. It's called the Haunted PS1 Demo Disc. Spooky. So spooky. I'm spooked. It's a little collection Mm -hmm. full of spooky haunted spook em ups <laughs> indeed it's uh it made the rounds got some press kind of a deal mm-hmm. and we were like yeah let's play it and then everyone also was like hey you guys should play this and so we were like yeah we'll really play it now <laughs> we played it and now we're gonna talk about it yes man this this whole ps1 nostalgia thing is super strong right now yeah and it's had kind of questionable results. And I think the Haunted PS1 demo disc is sort of a uh, a microcosm of that world. Yeah, totally. Like, I definitely did not expect to be talking about that kind of corner of the game world as much as we are. But yeah, it's cool. Sometimes. <laughs> and yeah, here's a postcard from PS1 City, you know? Yeah. So before we get too deep into it, though couple reminders as always this episode is brought to you by you you can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness to find out how you can sign up to support the show and you get extra episodes and cool shit and blah 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 you can also go to zero brightness.com to find out about our t-shirt that we made yes Oh my god. Uh, we made a t-shirt. I saw one of them. They look awesome. <laughs> uh, pre-orders are closed, so now it's just a very limited stock. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you want one, you should go buy one. Coming to a torso near you. Yeah, I'm really excited for the people who pre-ordered these to get them because they look awesome. Yes. And also for everyone else, uh, you should go get them before they go away. Yeah, buy them so we can make more cool designs. Oh, yeah. And as always, we are a game club. You can listen all the way to the end of the episode. We'll tell you what games are coming up next. And if you so choose, you can jump in our Discord. You can bullshit with us about games or food. People talk about food a lot, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, or whatever. We just hang out and we have a good time. We like chatting with you guys. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I want to hear from all these Polish listeners. Yeah. Apparently we're big in Poland. What's up, Poland? Tell me what you're snacking on in Poland. (laughs) Yeah. Let's learn about each other's cultures by talking about the food we (laughs) eat. So. PS1 demo disc. uh, So this is kind of. I was looking at this as part of a trend that I'm seeing emerging that I think is pretty cool, which is what I would call sort of a virtual game jam. Sure, Uh, yeah. If you're not familiar with the term game jam, it's a thing that game devs have been doing for a long time. The traditional way it's done, a lot of times these happen at like conventions or conferences. Sometimes they have it over the internet. Uh, sometimes they happen over the internet. Mm-hmm. I got there. Mm-hmm. We got that sentence out. <laughs> but the basic idea is that someone organizes the event and they come up with a prompt. So it could be something as simple as like a single word or a single idea or something like that. Right. And then game devs are supposed to go off and make, you know, kind of a short bite-sized game 
based on the prompt. Generally, it's something that they can finish in a weekend, right? Yes. Stay up all night, drinking Mountain Dew, eating Doritos, make a game. (laughs) Exactly. And it's actually proven to be really fruitful in recent years. There's a number of high-profile indies that actually uh, emerged from, like, game jam demos yeah uh probably the most high profile one that i can think of off the top of my head was uh, hollow knight mm. oh really that was a game jam thing so hollow knight it's actually um pretty fascinating there's an interview with those guys that kotaku split screen did that i encourage everyone to go listen to it's really cool but yeah apparently it was just over the course of a few game jams they kind of just kept iterating on this basic concept of like a little mini bug night guy Mm. and after a while they just took it home and started working on it and they ended up with this crazy enormous you know sprawling game that's also been a big success for them that's freaking awesome but so now something that i'm seeing emerging that i think is equally as cool is this idea of almost like a virtual game jam i was thinking about this yesterday because i was reading about that new ps4 game dreams are you familiar with this yeah, that's kind of like a a little game maker for consoles, right? Yes. Yeah. And it's been in beta for a long time, and I think it's finally out now. Uh, and people have been making really crazy stuff in it, and it's been making headlines for a while. And now there's like a bunch of cool shit on it, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But when I was reading an article about it, I was like, man, this sounds just like a big kind of continually ongoing game jam. And it kind of remains to be seen if they're going to be able to continue that energy and you know continually curate that kind of idea yeah but this is much more of like almost a traditional game jam type thing sure well also it's kind of just like an old ps1 demo disc (laughs) yeah exactly so the idea behind this project is they got a bunch of developers and i think some of these games were already in development and some of them were made for this Mm, okay Uh, so some of them are actual demos and some of them are just short games little shorties yeah yeah made for this compilation but it's a compilation it's all different developers it's about 17 or 18 games Mm -hmm. um and yeah they all kind of share the ps1 aesthetic or at least a ps1 type feel yeah i mean a lot of these games are first person adventure games and if you're familiar with ps1 um that was not its strong suit no uh, we had games like echo knight and then i mean later on we had like first person shooters like medal of honor and rainbow six but they were all pretty primitive in what they could do well it's interesting this project is kind of emblematic of that sort of selective nostalgia that we talk about a lot on the show yeah where yeah. Usually when people go back to make something that's nostalgic for a certain period of time, they're not trying to be accurate. They're trying to just get the feel almost like the way that you remember it being rather than the way it actually is. Sure. Yeah. And I think this project is that all over with a few exceptions that actually are like, oh yeah, this feels like a real PS1 game. And those ones are kind of some of the least fun to play actually. (laughs) Yeah. Some games are much more convincing than others. Uh, But I think, you know, jank is a recurring factor. You know, PS1 had jank. Um, Oh, yeah. Non-standard controls, tanky things. And I think, 
you know, we've got several examples here. Oh yeah, for sure. And there's, you know, there's a bunch of shared themes among these games and shared influences that definitely don't correlate to what the most popular games on the PS1 were or even what people would immediately reach for mm-hmm. in terms of like a PS1 game. But it's still cool because it more points to what these devs and maybe even most devs and people who are interested in video games consider to be like really important influential games on the PS1. Sure. Yeah. You know, despite not selling as many copies as like Gran Turismo or something. Haunted Gran Turismo. Now that's a game. <laughs> no spooky racers on here? Fuck that. Not yet, dude. Not yet. So one thing I want to talk about before we talk about some of those shared influences and, and what games kind of loom large over this project. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about demo discs. Oh, yes. <laughs> so for any of our listeners who are too young to remember this, <laughs> uh, in the PS1 and somewhat in the PS2 era, demo discs were hugely popular. Like, like, yes. Hugely, hugely popular. They were exactly what they sounded like, which was just a disc compilation of short bite-sized chunks of larger games sure and it would package usually i you usually about this many like something around like 20 um, it depends yeah uh or it was just one so yeah so there was a playstation magazine that would come with a new demo disc every month mm-hmm. and that one generally had a ton of games on it and a lot of them would be repeats month to month but then yeah. um, some publishers would put out uh, demo discs. Like, I have a Atlas demo disc with uh, Clock Tower and some racing game. And it was just two games. And then some games would come with, like, a preview. Brave Fencer Musashi famously came with Final Fantasy VII demo, which I'm sure helped Brave Fencer Musashi sales. Yeah, well, so that was the thing, is, like, demo discs were a big deal. Yeah. I mean, we loved demo discs, Absolutely. like, back in the day, just because it was, like, you felt like you were getting something for free, and mm-hmm. the ones that had a bunch of games on them were always exciting, like, in an endorphin rush kind of way, because you're like, oh, my God, look at all these games, you know, and, yeah. like, you only have, like, four games for your PS1, but then you have this one disc that has, like, 20 on them. Yeah, something. that was the thing, like, you spent all your money on the console and you didn't have enough money for like more than one game. So you would get a sick demo disc with like a dozen games on it. And sure. You're going to play the first stage of, you know, Hitman blood money 25 times, but that was kind of fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And of course the other type of demo disc is the one that you mentioned where publishers realized that if they were trying to build hype for a game, they could not only build hype by releasing a demo, but by including it as a pack-in with another game, they could boost the shit out of the sales of that yeah. game, more or less artificially. So, I like the game Brave Fencer Musashi. That was not a popular game, but you <laughs> bet that that game sold a fuck ton of copies because they packaged the Final Fantasy demo or Final Fantasy 7 demo with it, and they kept doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, Squaresoft kind of became notorious for that. Konami used to do that a yeah. lot. Zone of the Enders came with Metal Gear Solid 2, right? Yup. And Zone of the Enders, once again, another game that I like, but is not super popular or well-regarded, but, like, everybody had a copy of that game. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Like, I played the Metal Gear Solid 2 demo a hundred fucking times. 
it's when, a great demo when metal gear solid 2 came out i only played the game all the way through like once yeah well the <laughs> demo was the best part of the game and it yeah. was really long too. for sure yeah um but yeah so publishers really saw the power of the demo disc but it did wane around that time so metal gear solid 2 was an early ps2 release and that was when demo discs kind of started to die off mm. um it was also so i i look at the demo disc as a really uniquely like pre-internet thing mm-hmm. because, or like not pre-internet but pre the proliferation of the internet like people didn't have good internet connections at home right or like good computers at home so even just the idea of like watching a video of gameplay or a trailer was like not within your grasp in mm. the late 90s yeah. you know so the demo disc was so amazing because it was like oh i actually get to try the game i get to see it in motion and i get to play it so publishers really leaned into this and there were tons and tons of demo discs like there was a famous pizza hut demo disc <laughs> yeah um that you could get i don't remember how you got it but probably just from buying pizzas mm. i guess but like i had that one uh for a while it was like you couldn't go anywhere without getting a fucking demo disc yeah <laughs> um but like like i said they were great and the reason that they kind of even became a thing was because cds were so cheap to make yeah it was like, like a- if you remember aol at the end yeah. caps of grocery stores i mean like cds were slowly turning into like garbage everywhere yeah <laughs> so, exactly yeah. but like you know cartridge based uh games have always been expensive to produce mm-hmm. and especially nintendo basically from the nes to the n64 those cartridges were all pretty expensive to produce um sometimes components were rare there was a famous component shortage in the 80s that basically made nes games legit nes games disappear from shelves for a while Mm -hmm. and like spurred the creation of the kind of weird unlicensed game market that exploded on the nes but with discs they were cheap to make you could make as many as you want and yeah people didn't have the internet and access to videos and stuff so maybe they'd see a commercial of the game in motion but you know Mm. those campaigns are really expensive it was more likely that people were going to want to reach for a demo disc uh, I remember even the N64's answer to this, which was really not at all the same, was to send VHS tapes of trailers. Did yes. you ever get any of those? Dude, I have like all of them still. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if I see one at Goodwill, I'll snag it just because I'm a fucking idiot. But They're yeah, like uh, so bad and shitty. Like, they have are. like weird skits in between. I've got the Donkey Kong Country one. I got Star yeah. Fox, Donkey Kong 64. Uh, yeah, I was a subscriber to Nintendo Power, so I would get these tapes oh, in the nice. mail. I actually, you know, this spurs my memory. When I was a little kid, I wrote to Nintendo Power thanking them for sending me a VHS tape. <laughs> and I got a letter back, and it was so cool. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was going to bring up, uh, do you remember the cursed PS2 demo disc? It was the uh, PlayStation Underground holiday demo disc. No. It had a demo of Beautiful Joe on it. Okay. And... It had a bug in it that would erase your fucking memory card. Holy shit. Yeah. The the beautiful Joe demo would format your fucking memory card. That's a nightmare. Yeah. Total nightmare. Great game, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Another thing we didn't touch on were uh, PC gaming demo discs. Mm. When I was a kid, I bought a uh, 
issue of PC Gamer. One, it was like a 400-page magazine, just yeah. fucking fat magazine. Those things were a great value proposition back in the day. Massive fucking magazine. But it came with the demo disc, and, you know, it featured eight or ten games on the cover. But then you pop the demo disc into your compact presario, and it's got, like, dozens and dozens of games in files and folders. Like, just tons and tons of demos. They, like, filled up the entire 800 megabytes for you. So, yeah, tons of great shit on PC gaming demo discs of the 90s. Yeah, for sure. It was just, it was kind of cool and a unique time. Like, it was cheap to make the actual physical media, and it was out of people's reach to just watch trailers or watch gameplay or whatever we do now. So those, you know, confluence of circumstances came together, and we got this crazy demo disc craze which i think is Mm -hmm. awesome i mean it's really only recently that we're seeing publishers realize that people love demos yeah totally and we're getting like at least on the pc and sometimes on you know modern consoles we're actually getting demos you know yeah well this was just when cd-roms were the easiest way to get data to people yeah because none of the consoles were online uh, internet was either prohibitively slow or prohibitively expensive. Yeah. So, I mean, just packing a CD-ROM with a magazine or, you know, selling the demo disc for $5 at Walmart or whatever uh, was, like, a huge value proposition. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think 2019, at least in my experience, was a great year for demos. I kind of feel like I, at least personally, saw the return of demos, mostly because they dropped that Resident Evil 2 demo. Like right before the game came out, which was awesome because everyone got to play it and be like, this really, really rocks and this game is going to be awesome. And it was. And yeah, that one wasn't limited in content either. It was limited in time. I think you could play it for 30 minutes and then it cut you off. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then also like I got a switch and I was really, really pleasantly surprised to find that there's tons of demos on the switch. It feels like every game you can try a demo of nice and like i know that's how and that's useful for i mean i like that but it's also useful for monica for example because her tasting games that she likes is a little more specific mm-hmm. and so like when dragon quest builders 2 came out i like saw a trailer for it and i was like dude you gotta play this game you're gonna love this game but then she was like oh like it's 60 dollars, but there's a demo so i'm gonna try a demo before i like pay full price you know for this mm-hmm. game uh, yeah. And she loved it, and she got to transfer her save from the demo to the game. And I was like, yes, this Gangster. is the future that I've been waiting yeah. for. But it took a while, and some publishers still don't do demos. And it's like, y'all are fucked up, dude. <laughs> yeah, 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 I love it. But so the thing about demo discs, and beyond just how fun it is to wax nostalgic, the thing I wanted to bring up is that the way a demo disc sort of sat in your game collection is different than a normal game and at times i feel like it's at odds with how people play games now like i kind of feel like a lot of gamers have this like completionist thing now where they want to like burn through every game that they get Mm. but the demo disc was really more about popping it in seeing what looked interesting to you trying a thing or two at a time and then jumping out you know yeah, I mean, some games you would come back for and play for hours, but then some games you would just tap out at 10 minutes and never touch it again. Right. And it's also interesting that 
some games really lend themselves to a great demo or the devs put time specifically into the demo. Mm. So there are some like amazing demos, like the Metal Gear Solid, the original Metal Gear Solid demo is like incredible. But there were other games that either didn't lend themselves to a demo or it just wasn't a very good demo, but they were actually great games. Most RPGs, not good demos, you know? Right. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. And so like it's it's interesting to jump back into this project because it's exactly like that i think that if you try and sit down and master every game in it or complete every game in it and then try to like decide if the game is good or not or whatever you're really not going to enjoy playing this thing yeah unless you're a fucking youtube streamer like begging for people's <laughs> dude like attention the fucking comments on itch about this thing are literally just all people posting their youtube playthroughs and it's all the exact same thumbnail which is like a skinny brown-haired white kid like making googly eyes at like a game and it's just like oh no <laughs> Yeah, fake jump scares and shit yeah oh my god i can't wait for the streaming fad to die I can't wait. Fiery (laughs) accident. I can't wait for the sun to shut off. (laughs) (laughs) They wouldn't be able to tell. (laughs) True. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, until the the mass die off. Anyway, Mm -hmm. so I really think that this is a great, just like piece of software to download and keep on your computer and just dip into it when you remember it's there and just fuck around with it like yeah yeah i think so and in the spirit of that we're going to keep talking about the project generally and then we're just going to go into our highlights and sure most of my highlights were either stuff that i was like that was a great demo or stuff that says there's going to be a full version and i'm like dude i want to get that game you know totally um, I think, you know, some of the highlights are, are the offensively bad games because there are a couple of these that are just absolutely fucking useless pieces of shit. <laughs> so, okay. Well, I guess we'll get and to And I think it's too. fun to talk about that kind of stuff. Sure. <laughs> yeah. There just are some really great games in here. Totally. Yeah. Like so there's some stuff I really look forward to playing completed versions of. Mm-hmm. And also like yeah. we'll talk about in a second, um, there is some stuff that even if you just like the general aesthetic and vibe of it this is a must play it's Mm, gonna be like catnip for you because it's like really cool stuff that you don't see elsewhere i will say that this this does come with a caveat because the haunted ps1 demo disc is kind of janky as fuck oh yeah um you launch it through a launcher and then it's really just a menu and you pick a game through the menu and then it launches the game in a new exe. Yeah, most most of them are you know using the the Unity engine free version. So there's usually some jank jumping between you know the the haunted PS1 demo disc kind of like picker and the actual game. Uh, yeah. Sometimes I found that I had to actually kill the haunted PS1 exe to get the sound to work in the actual game. Oh yeah, uh, and vice versa. There's just some jank with launching these games through the launcher. Yeah, the problem that I would have was that it would take forever to load the game from the launcher, and sometimes oh, really? it was legitimately just taking a while. But other times it would like load the program, but not switch over to yeah. the program. So I'd have to Alt Tab over. 
And then sometimes yeah. it would do both. Like I'd be alt tabbing to check and it like wasn't loading and then I'd alt tab and it was loading. I'm like, oh okay. Alright, I gotta get in there. But <laughs> also the PS1 demo disc has some real like you know, like low bit rate jamming nineties tunes on it. Yeah. And sometimes the music wouldn't stop when you <laughs> launched the game. I saw people saying that on itch, that that's the biggest issue. The mm-hmm. music would always mute when I alt-tabbed over, but yeah, sometimes it would just take so long that I was just like, oh, fuck this. But <laughs> the thing, too, is that like a lot of the games, I mean, they're just janky. Like, they're yeah. they're just not super like QA'd out. Like, they're full of bugs. Mm-hmm. Stuff doesn't work. I mean, some are a lot better than others, but there's at least one or two that I basically didn't keep up with because of that. Yeah. And I was like, I don't like this enough to fight through these i did complete most of the demos um there were some i just like died and i was like hey eh, i played enough and moved on yeah and then some i just hated so much that i couldn't bother myself to complete yeah totally so i that's actually a good thing we should talk about let's talk about it now um how <laughs> we played this because i basically did the same thing i tried every game I tried to complete every game and I would say I completed most of them. Mm-hmm. But like you said, there was a few where I was like, okay, I get it. And I'm not interested in continuing. Uh, yeah. And so I didn't bother like completing it. And then there were maybe like three, two, maybe just two uh, that I was like, I don't get this and I don't mm-hmm. like this. So I didn't force myself to complete it. <laughs> Um, and I know at least one of those, you were like, you need to go back and play it, which is totally chill. And, but that's why I thought <laughs> I, it's cool. Cause we're, we're both here so we can talk sure. about that kind of stuff. But yeah, I totally encourage everybody to play it that way. Cause that's like, I totally reverted to like being a 12 year old with a real demo disc. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah totally. This is great. Oh, also huge thing. It's free. It's fucking free. This thing's free. Yeah. So, yeah. So you can just Google it and you'll find it. It's on the service itch or itch.io. Which is gangster. Super gangster. And the cool thing is that, I mean, itch has very basic interface, but you can make an account, you can follow people and you can find all the devs. Like they're listed mm-hmm. on the page. You can click through and like follow them. So it's actually a really slick process if you like a demo uh and you're like i want to follow these people like you can do that like i actually need, i'm gonna do that tonight like i need to know when until big light is coming out <laughs> oh totally yeah yeah <laughs> you know what i'm talking about look yeah but look, yeah comrade bounce comrades <laughs> yeah dude uh but yeah so like it's cool uh go get it <laughs> like that's number one is just go get it and then you can sort out your feelings later yeah yeah, fucks yeah. with it. So, a few different things that really stood out to me about the project as a whole. Uh, the tone overall is dreamlike and surreal. Sure. There's a big focus on surreal, psychedelic, and cosmic horror. And there's a big focus on dreams. Um, hmm, Yeah one of the big influences on this demo disc that popped up multiple times that I did not expect. Cause once again, like I said earlier, this is not a million seller greatest hits PS one game, but uh, LSD dream emulator. 
Yeah, I could see that. So if you're not familiar, LSD Dream Emulator was a PS1 game that literally was supposed to be a dream emulator. Uh, you'd basically start it up and you get, uh, within certain parameters, like a randomized dream that you got to play mm-hmm. through, you know? Yeah. Um, and it was like super crazy and weird and psychedelic and uh, kind of became a legend amongst the sort of like weird underground PS1 game world, mm. right? Yeah. And I mean, it, it was super influential on in a lot of games, super influential on Yume Nikki, which we've talked about on the show and somehow maybe only mentioned that game once in that episode. But <laughs> in this game, okay, first of all, big headline. One of these games is literally just a cat-themed remake. Yes. There's a game called Neko Yume that is like a remake of LSD Dream Emulator, except everything is cats. Yeah, which Neko Yume means cat dream. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, it's really funny. And if you know, if you've played LSD Dream Emulator, like you play that game and you kind of laugh your ass off for five minutes and you're like, I can't believe they did this. <laughs> yeah. I was, I kind of had enough of Neko Yume after about five or 10 minutes. Yeah. It, it, it's weird because it like you walk around in these strange worlds and you could, you could like meet a cat, which is like a low poly cat with like a real cat face, like <laughs> stretched over it. <laughs> so funny. And then you quote unquote collect it. Yeah. And then, all of a sudden the scene will end and you get like a high score screen and it says like you collected one cat and then you go to the next quote unquote dream and it's just another low poly hellscape yeah it's <laughs> not actually good but I just once again I, I admire the chutzpah yeah. of like it's a wink yeah yeah it was super weird but there's also another game that is a literal dream emulator mm-hmm. uh, that's called Insomnio where a yeah. dev just like remade his dreams as first person low poly PS1 adventure scenarios you can play through. I really liked Insomnio. It was super chill, had a chill kind of like uh atmosphere and vibe to it. It wasn't really spooky, but it was more like I don't know, it kind of had a mist vibe or something yeah. like that. Yeah. It was cool. I really liked the scenery in it. It was kind of unsettling. Yeah. Um, but it's really just like a series of vignettes. You you solve a very simple puzzle and yeah. then you move to the next dream. Like I think the solution to the first puzzle is literally to like sit in a booth on the train. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But so those two games, neither of them are in my highlights, but they really did. Mm, really? Yeah. Once I noticed, I was like, wow, like there's a real big influence uh, from LSD Dream Emulator and there's a real big theme of like dreams. Uh, I started to notice it in a lot of the other games too. And I thought it was kind of cool. Like it's sort of, once again, it's an interesting exercise in like shared interest, you know, where it's like, okay, if you take a bunch of devs who are interested in making spooky games and tell them mm-hmm. to use the PS1 aesthetic, what do they draw on, right? And I just, yeah. I was kind of fascinating that one of the big ones is LSD Dream Emulator. Like, totally did yeah. not see that coming. Thank you for listening to Zero Brightness. If you'd like to support us directly, you can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness. You can also find and interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. All the relevant links are at zerobrightness.com. 
We'll see you out there. Another point, obviously, obviously, like it doesn't even need to be said, but the PS1 aesthetic is heavy as fuck. Like almost, (laughs) almost everybody, everybody but one guy like got the fucking memo and we're Mm -hmm. like, I aces, like let's do this. And so there's a lot of chonky pixels. There's a lot of chonky character models, big legs. There's a lot of... uh, Warping textures. Warping textures, extremely low-res textures. Yeah. uh, Low-poly, low-res everything. You know, spooky, de-res, downscaled music. Like, if that stuff is cool to you, or and or... If you played Paratopic and were like, yeah, what if that but more sauce, then you have to play <laughs> this game because this game is all sauce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so much sauce. I love when devs like when they model like an impenetrable forest and it's literally just a wall with like a, a forest texture painted on. Yeah, it. totally. I don't know, for some reason, I just love that shit. Yeah. If you like that, if you, like James, love that proposition, then get your ass ready. This game will take you on a hell ride, and you'll love mm-hmm. every second of it. Um, now, okay, I, I gotta mention this. There's a lot of garbage on this demo disc. <laughs> there, there are some games that kind of are just time wasters and shouldn't really exist. Um, but that's part of the demo disc experience, dude. Yeah, but then there's stuff like there's a game called Tasty Ramen. Uh-huh. And like all you have to do is find like eight keys while this like maniacal cute bowl of ramen tries to kill you. Uh-huh. And it's so fucking annoying. Yeah. And it it drove me insane and I hate it that I never want to see Tasty Ramen again. Yeah. Well, once again, I actually think it's part of the Demodist experience. They can't all mm. be winners. They shouldn't <laughs> all be winners because it really makes the winners more special. Yeah, Tasty Ramen's a fucking loser. Yes, not in my highlights. I'll just say that much. Um, <laughs> so another thing that I noticed commonality across these games that, once again, just interesting example of kind of shared interest is that the VHS aesthetic is huge. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's like technically the VHS format has nothing to do with the PS1 platform. But Mm -hmm. I think people kind of were like 90s. What's the 90s? Blah, blah, blah. So ton of VHS effects on the games, ton of VHS style, blurring, color banding, um, tracking errors, Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. So once again, gamers... If you like that shit, <laughs> god damn, you got to play this. CRT effects. Yep. Like the bubble screen. Yeah. Can't turn it off. Yeah. There's a lot of color bleed. You're either going to like it or hate it. Yeah, totally. And I mean, speaking of that too, there is kind of a general sort of lack of control that is either going to be kind of interesting to you or it's going to drive you nuts. Like, I mean, these games are really simple. You don't get a ton of options. Some of them have a little launcher that lets you, you know, select the graphics quality and stuff like that. But for the most part, they don't, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like you're not remapping your controls. Controller support is not guaranteed. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say most of the games have it, but only about half the games have it in a usable form. Uh, a lot of them have it, but it's not mapped right, or it just like doesn't really work, you know? Yeah. Um, I just keyboard and mouse the whole thing. I didn't want to fuck with it. I played a few of them. with The ones that seemed to have good controller support, I played with controller, but I mostly played with uh, keyboard and mouse. I redid yeah. my desk, so it's a little more comfortable for me to play mm. with keyboard and mouse. So I'm a little bit more amenable to that now than I was in earlier episodes. <laughs> I did a mod. Gotta get you got to get you one of those gamer mouses that looks like optimus prime's codpiece oh yeah totally uh. i'd love to i'd love to just be uh pleasuring a robot every time i use pro tools <laughs> excellent uh so yeah the vhs aesthetic looms large if you like it you gotta play it show some mm-hmm. love um yes so another kind of obvious point, but I feel it is worth pointing out. These games are very indebted to the mechanics of PS1 horror and survival horror. So tank controls, note <laughs> reading, uh, you know, multiple item searches, like all that kind of shit is this game's or this collection of games jam, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you gotta be ready some of them it is kind of clunky you will feel like you're playing an actual ps1 game yeah there's a couple of them that really hit you with that i would say it seems like the vast majority of these games are first person um so it is kind of refreshing to get like a real chonky tank game yeah totally and there's at least one that ended up in my highlights because i was like wow they did it that really well like it's third person character based it's got tank controls but it felt good to play it was fun gave you the vibes Uh, and the last point i wanted to bring up was that and i mentioned this earlier but cosmic horror and psychedelic horror are like huge in this game Um, yes i was not really expecting that but i really enjoyed it um that is to say there's a lot of crazy reality warping stuff that happens there's a lot of psychedelic washes of colors and strange changes in environment and all that kind of stuff you know yeah there are a couple of these demos that i feel like um are heavily influenced by like layers of fear and other horror walking simulators yeah and i feel like a couple of them actually kind of do it better Oh, for sure. Once again, a couple ended up on my highlights because I was like, this is like that, but better. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Definitely. But it was was cool to see. I got really heavy um, Mandy vibes, the film Mandy, or that director's previous film, Beyond the Black Rainbow. Um, He loves... So sick. Yeah. He loves that quiet, slow, psychedelic uh, thing, and he loves having scenes explode into washes of like bright neon or dark neon kind of colors Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a lot of that in this game and I really enjoyed it I thought it was very very cool totally yeah so once again if any of that sounds cool to you this game is free like (laughs) just go get the damn game it's gonna cost you some zeros and ones yeah (laughs) I do love though okay first of all don't read the comments on the itch page they're so bad like the ones that aren't YouTubers are people like, this download is really big. Could you re-encode it so it's smaller? And I was like, 
you fucking kidding me? They gave you a present. <laughs> you know, that is one thing, though. Oh, I, but I like, mean, were you like, oh, mom, I don't like my Christmas present. The box is too big. Get no, fucked. But, but I mean, like, it is almost six gigs. That ain't PS1. <laughs> we need well, to crush them numbers, baby. James, I... I hate to be the one that tells you this, but you didn't play this on a PS1. That's your computer. But I want to play it on the PS1. <laughs> I want my PS1 to haunt me. <laughs> Dude, it does every day. Trust you me. No, honestly, I feel like only one or two of these games would actually run on a PlayStation 1. Well, Maybe zero. I think probably closer to zero. And that's actually what I like about it. Because like I said, I think the sort of compensated nostalgia or making something the way that you think it was rather than how it actually was is usually more interesting in terms of a piece of art than just a mm. straight recreation. Right. Well, there, there have, you know, with, with this growing interest in like repro games and homebrew games, you know, the NES and Sega Genesis have seen a ton of homebrew games and there have even been some for, like, the Dreamcast. I mean, this is a pipe dream, but it would be, like, really cool to get something like this for the PS1 that you could throw in your PS1 and play. Yeah, I mean, counterpoint, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I see what well, you're saying, but it's like... You don't have a cl- closet full of old consoles. No, and that's by choice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I uh, I just want to put that opinion in there that I, I hate owning things and carrying things around. And I love getting rid of things. So I love hoarding bullshit because I'm a good consumer. Uh, yes. I'm sure there's some other reasons behind that, too. But those are deeply personal. I, wanna, I won't ask you to discuss them on air. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I want daddy capitalism to notice me. <laughs> notice me, senpai capitalism. Well, should we go through some highlights, name some hits? Sure. Maybe yeah. go back and forth. The first game that comes to mind that really blew me out of the water is called Sauna 2000. Yeah. I fucking love Sauna 2000. It's probably the best game on this demo disc for me personally. It's very strange. It's very vaporwave. It's like you're you're a Finnish guy. And you have to, like, prepare your sauna so you can take a nice, relaxing sauna and drink beer. Yeah. But, like, shit is fucking weird. Uh, So, okay, super chonky, low poly, super VHS'd out. Yeah. The game starts, and you're standing next to your car, and you can see a sauna. And uh, there's, like, a dock where you can get water out. You basically have to, like, follow simple instructions to get the sauna started. But then, like, this Wendigo comes out of the woods. Like, a, this ghostly fucking ancient beast starts showing up and ruining your day. Yeah. And if you don't complete the steps to get the sauna started in time, the Wendigo, like, comes and attacks you and, like, rips your reality open. And then you're in, like, some, like, sort of weird hellscape. Yeah. And it gets really, it's really weird cool. and meta. It's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. My take on this one, which I agree, it's one of the best on here, was that it's like subtle cosmic horror mixed with quaint cheesiness. Uh, yeah. Because it gets super weird and cosmic, but 
The thing that I love about the beginning is that it's so weird and cheesy. Like, it looks like a VHS tape. It's got this shitty logo that looks like it's like the Medieval Times logo or something, but with like the flag of Finland on it. What it looks like to me is like the bootleg DVDs you would get at the flea market yeah. in the late 90s yeah. before DVD burners were like affordable. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. And so when you start it up, though, it's like you're just following the instructions for how to get your sauna going. And the dude, his voice is like so weird. Like he I sounds, love his voiceover. I love so his good. voice, but he sounds like so old. <laughs> like <laughs> he kind of sounds like Swedish chef from the Muppets. <laughs> OK, not what I was thinking. James. <laughs> is that racist? <laughs> No, it's not racist. He just has a funny accent. No, I know. I like to. I have a friend who's Scottish, and I, I like to uh, make fun of him for Scottish racism. Mm. Like I asked him to go see the Twilight Sad with me, and I was like, "Is it racist that I asked you to go because you're Scottish and they're Scottish?" And he's like, "No, I like that band." I was like, "All right, cool." <laughs> uh, yeah, also, Finland is basically the trailer park of Europe, so we can make fun of them. <laughs> Come on. Oh damn. Um, but yeah, he's got this like. <laughs> He's got this great, like, kind of grisly but cheery old man voice. And, like, yeah. he just says just really weird shit. Like, if you go into the bathroom, he says, I could take a dump. <laughs> I forgot my beer in the car. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just so funny and weird that when the turn comes, it's very effective and there's little mm-hmm. it's it, the reason i use the word subtle earlier is that you get little hints and clues like you can see things that aren't there and like get little yeah. flashes of weird stuff happening like before you know the wendigo attacks you and man <laughs> so good such good suspense uh such good pacing uh fantastic mm-hmm. i, love uh, I actually played through sauna 2000 maybe three times yeah. Because I tried to get it a little farther each time. Because I really wanted to take that sauna. <laughs> yeah. If, if you complete it properly, the Wendigo uh, takes the sauna with you. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> best friends. See, I love it. It's it's weird, <laughs> and it's funny, and it's cheesy, and yeah. it's great. You know? I would say Sonic 2000 is worth the download of the entire demo disc just for that one game. Yeah. It's great. Great little experience. Yeah. Um... So my first highlight is actually the first one I played that also ended up being one of my favorites. Uh, oh, really? Which was Ode to a Moon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Ode to a Moon is another surreal first-person exploration game. Uh, it's very dreamlike, and it's similar to Sauna 2000. It has a, an ending that goes fully into cosmic horror. Yes. Like you're in like a weird uh, cosmic hellscape ascending stairs to the moon. And it's very, very weird and crazy. And it turns into Mandy Technicolor, too. Mandy. Yep. The Mandy happens. <laughs> the end of Sauna 2000 yeah. is also very, very Mandy Technicolor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. This game, it's simple. You're in the woods. You're trying to get out of the woods. And you don't. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, O2 Moon to me felt very Layers of Fear like. It, it's definitely the spooky hallway formula, right? Yeah, totally. But it's trippy as hell. It's cool. And it's really short, so it doesn't overstay its welcome like, you know, a yeah. blooper game. Well, and it's got these really beautiful 
visuals that really mm-hmm. reinforce the psychedelic aspects. Like yeah. before it goes all weird, the game is very beautiful. It's just this kind of like really nice um, sunset scene. It's got really nice colors. It's very mm-hmm. quiet and serene. And then uh, pretty quickly it introduces the crazy sort of dark neon visual style. And it looks like a melting VHS. Like yeah, the VHS effects are super heavy everything gets really fucked up and it really sells that psychedelic aspect. Like you really feel like you've stumbled accidentally into some strange realm that you shouldn't be in. Um, yeah. I, sure. Weirdly enough, it reminded me a lot of outer wilds. Oh really? Um, because I think that feeling I just described of where you like stumble into something and you know, you mm-hmm. shouldn't be there and you're like, Oh shit, Oh shit, Oh shit. Uh, <laughs> outer wilds is, fantastic at creating that sort of feeling or that sort of emotion and Mm -hmm. i kind of got the same vibe from this game and the visuals get so crazy and so cosmic that it does actually feel like you're no longer on earth so yeah yeah very cool little experience yeah probably less than 30 minutes maybe 20 minutes or something yeah short very sweet um i really liked it and it was a great one to start with because i was like all right okay this is cool <laughs> you know because yeah. i had some trepidation going in a little bit because the last thing i played like this was glass staircase which oh, was like yeah a game that the press was saying was awesome and it was a ps1 throwback and then i played it and i was so sad yeah what the fuck was the press smoking on that i don't think any of them finished it i think they played the first 15 minutes and all just like ran over to their keyboards mm-hmm yeah, I guess Puppet Combo sent out like a dope press release and that got everyone's attention. Yeah, free t-shirts <laughs> or something. Yeah, yeah. so, you know, it, it's funny that you started with a cool one because I started with Tasty Ramen. <laughs> Fucking garbage. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, Anyways, yeah. okay. So I guess I'll jump to another one that I really liked. So this game... Uh, it's called Dread Delusion. Yes. So yes. fucking cool. It's a dark fantasy first person adventure. Really cool soundtrack. Really cool style. Very reminiscent of FromSoft games. Yes. Uh, it has a hard uh, Dark Souls vibe. Yeah. Like the world is in depression and it's up to you to like solve it. But it's it's more of like a adventure first person game, you know. Grab a key, grab a sword, and uh, do adventure things. Not combat heavy. I actually avoided all combat, so I don't even know if combat's possible. Uh, yeah, I did too, but I read that there is combat. Okay. Um, yeah, but apparently this game is uh, deep in development, and I'm super looking forward to playing. To yeah, playing so it. you can actually get in on the alpha of it, and it's two dollars. And I think oh, really? I'm going to do it tonight, actually. <laughs> like, nice. This is a weird one that snuck up on me because I tried it and I was like, this is cool, but I don't quite get it. I need to come back to it. And then I came back to it um, earlier today, actually. And mm. after I played it again, I was like, holy shit, I think I'm going to like get in on the development of this because this is amazing. Um, yeah. It totally feels like you said all the FromSoft games thrown in a blender, but it seems to have more of a focus on like just the sort of exploration side of it. And the visual style is very cool bananas. The best way I can describe it is the sort of neon dark fantasy thing that I've only seen in a couple games. One of them is harmony of dissonance, the Castlevania game on the GBA. Mm-hmm. 
and the other is hyper light drifter oh yeah yeah like it's totally got that like gba castlevania meets hyper light drifter dark fantasy neon gothic thing neon purple sky where we've got like neon skeletons like fucking purple cloaks and shit yeah yeah turn that color saturation up on that crt it's so cool that i just wanted to keep looking at it (laughs) like i don't even care what i had to do i just want to keep looking at it it's got that chonky ps1 low poly vibe but this is like totally not doable on ps1 uh super far draw distance Mm -hmm. um it almost like the way it looked was kind of like dark zelda like you can look really far into a distance you could see a little town you could see like a castle and a tower yeah nice sense of scale nice sense of adventure yeah i super look forward to playing like the complete version of dread delusion yeah super cool yeah totally agree the thing that struck me was that it had the low poly ps1 thing but it's very beautiful and the crazy huge environments with draw distance that would not have been doable on an actual ps1 really sell the visual style yeah Yeah. kingsfield vibes but like so much more playable than something like kingsfield yeah absolutely yeah yeah i'll report back i'm gonna fucking play it man yeah maybe when it comes out in 2028 we'll review it yeah totally (laughs) up next dread delusion (laughs) one that i really liked was heartworm oh really yes so heartworm is a type of game that there are many uh, or at least a handful of on this demo disc Mm -hmm. which is it's a total gen one survival horror throwback yes so third person fixed camera angles tank controls yep the whole thing and this game specifically i could see people not loving for the reason that i did love it which Mm. is that heartworm is straight up just a survival horror mixtape basically it's like they just took things from all the different games and they are direct lifts like (laughs) it's got the exact same note reading interface as resident evil 2 Mm -hmm. it's got the same menu as silent hill 1 it's got some (laughs) of the same sound effects of both of those games it's got like a a really similar looking character model to like dino crisis like you could go on and on like it just but the thing that i liked about it and it's very this is a very short demo yeah um the thing that I liked about it is that it not only executed all those things perfectly, so it was fun to play. Like, I thought the controls were good. The exploration was fun. You know, finding items and completing puzzles felt good. Mm-hmm. But the thing I really liked about it was they did really nail the vibes of those games and give you some, like, different environments, even in this short-ass demo. Yeah. So, like, you start in a creepy apartment that looks like it could have been in resident evil mm-hmm. then you get transported to like a street a foggy street with a creepy house that's straight out of silent hill and then it like ends in like this weird subterranean layer that looks like it's straight out of eternal darkness or something like yeah just such a cool little experience great visuals great music i just was like this is how i want people to do ps1 survival horror throwback Mm. and there's some others on this compilation that i super did not enjoy yeah (laughs) to say i can't even remember the names of them because i was just like Mm -hmm. nope 
but there's the one that looks like fear effect with like the sexy zombie <laughs> yeah yeah i hated that that well, sucked so heartworm is a little more adventure to me there, there's a lot of like item based puzzly stuff so i think it it does have a little bit of like alone in the dark vibes to it just because it's you know it's not combat heavy like resident evil you know yeah 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 it feels kind of more pc ish yeah, totally. But the the distinct and huge homages to like specifically Resident Evil Two and Silent Hill One, totally, were yeah. definitely put it in the world of all the rest of these kind of PS One worshiping games. Um, I thought mm-hmm. it was very cool. I, mm-hmm. I I really liked it a lot, and it was once again one of the ones that ended up on here because I was like, I hope it says to be continued, and I hope they're for real because I would oh, really yeah, like totally. to play that game. Yeah. All right. So another one that I have that I love, which I know you love too, is a a little mouse comrade game called Until Big Light. Yes. Um, it's a little cautionary tale telling us the uh, the plight of the working man. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Essentially, um, apparently the mice are all basically the proletariat, and the the cats have kind of scammed the mice out of their good life for the. For the allure of capitalism, right? Right. But it, it's 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 a very adventurous game. It's in first person. Um, the scale is cool because you're a tiny mouse. You're like running amongst the grass and stuff. Yeah. Cool aesthetics. Surprisingly good writing. Great writing for a little for a little demo. It's great writing. Interesting characters. You only play the game for thirty minutes, but it leaves a pretty good impression on you. Yeah. So what I loved about this game was that in that short chunk of time, they managed to do so much world building and character building that was super compelling. Like Mm. you just get so many good little tidbits. Like you, like apparently the mice live in these little villages and you leave yours because you can't afford your rent. Yeah. And you start doing odd jobs for these weird people and you uncover this whole crazy conspiracy and basically agree to join a revolution within like... (laughs) this tiny and once again you get all these details about the world and its history and Mm -hmm. it was just so 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 good my only two notes on this game were that it's like if mouse hunt was rewritten by bernie sanders (laughs) and where is the rest i want the rest right now it's so good there's a moment where um so the cats have been like holding cheese from these mice for so long they don't know what uh-huh. cheese tastes like. And your character like gets a nibble of the cheese and he like sees the history of the universe in front of his <laughs> yeah. eyes. It's just so funny. He trips. It's well, like the apple of knowledge. Yeah, it's so good cuz it's like this mix. It's kind of like Disco Elysium where it's funny as fuck, but the stuff that people are saying is super real and depressing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Like there's like your kind of sad drunk working man guy at the bar and everything Mm -hmm. he says is like so relatable and also so sad, Mm -hmm. but also hilarious like at moments. (laughs) Yeah. I, I love this. Yeah. Fantastic writing. I hope this game gets released at finished. Yeah. Super looking forward to it. Yeah. I gotta say until big light and, uh, dread delusion were the two that I was like, I hope these get finished like soon. Absolutely. Like, I, yeah. Definitely others that I would play if they come out in a full version, but those are the ones that I'm like, dude, give me that. Yeah. Um so 
I actually, I mean, we've you picked most of my <laughs> highlights. <laughs> so we No, that was I fully knew that that was going to happen. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I just have one more that we haven't talked about. Mhm. Uh, which is called A Place Forbidden. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so this one is super, super influenced by Echo Knight. Yeah. Um, it, like, even down to the typography and the, the visuals. Um, but the, the concept is basically that you go to a lost, spooky library. It's almost seems like it was lost to time or it moves around in location it's very weird and creepy mm-hmm. um and you start exploring the library and basically all you do is read books and you know solve some light puzzles it's a pretty short demo but a it's super atmospheric and i really enjoyed it mm-hmm. b it's got a couple couple really good creeps in there really good spookums in there mm. and lastly i just I loved that it was another game on this kick that I'm on where it's like all you needed to progress was information. It was an info game. Yeah. Uh, and I think the, the spooks combined with the atmosphere combined with that element of it. I, I just really, really like this game. Yeah. I didn't get too far into this one. I got stuck and yeah, I'm not that much of a dumbass, and I just couldn't figure out what the fuck to do next. So I did shut that one off. Uh, I should probably revisit it. It's got this one puzzle that's super weird. Mm. And if you figure it out, you feel like a fucking genius. But <laughs> I did have to play this in like a couple sittings because the first time I was too tired and I was like, I don't get this. But what's cool is that, so the game doesn't have like a save system or anything. And it is really short if you can solve the puzzles. But mm-hmm. uh, everything is is set up so that once you know the solutions, you can just go to the next room. Right. So you can load it back up and just solve the puzzle in like five seconds. Yeah, totally. You know, so there's really just, I think it's just like two puzzles and then kind of like an end scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really, I really liked it. I would also like to see this one fleshed out just because, you know, and this is actually kind of funny. Uh, after we did the Echo Knight episode, I actually went back and listened to an older episode that we did. Uh, I think it was Kuon. And I pretty much say in that episode I was like I don't think Echo Knight is good uh, but I couldn't really remember and I say that in the Echo Knight episode that I just played it a little bit when I was like a kid and I was like this isn't good and returning to that game for the show I was like okay Echo Knight actually rules Echo Knight and rules. Yeah. I would love to see more Echo Knight type games totally I love spooky first person adventure games yeah uh, there does seem like there's a glut of them right now but I, a lot of them are hit or miss, and man, when they hit, they hit really well. And yeah. just item-based puzzles are just like lizard brain. James loves them, you know. Yeah, I could be in a coma for thirty years and still like fucking item-based puzzle games, you know. <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I just like I think the thing that Echo Knight has in this game has that the newer stuff doesn't usually have is just that slow languid pace Mm. and that's what i really thought this game nailed and what i really liked nice yeah yeah so those are your highlights those are everything we just talked about those are my highlights i don't do you have other ones 
Um, I've got some low lights. <laughs> okay. Know, besides Stacy Raman, which is like a total turd. Um, there's a first person shooter called Effigy. Oh uh, yeah, it's which just is bad. it's a crappy Quake clone. It's just a total skip. Um, yeah. I'm sorry to the developer, but your bad guy AI is fucking garbage. <laughs> I mean, bad AI, bad combat, bad shooting. It just like missed every point of a first person shooter. Yeah, I played the first like two rooms of that, and I was like, "This is horrendous," and I'm yep. gonna turn it off now. There's a detective game called Dead Heat, which uh, needs some more time in the oven. Um, it's it's got a little bit of um, oh, that's the Fear Effect one. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a little interesting, but I just it just felt so janky. I was just like, "Fuck this!" After like five minutes, and I think that's the general consensus of that one. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it has potential. Maybe not. It's There's, yeah. The jank is a little too real in that one. Yeah. And also the writing is so like fake hard boiled detective mm-hmm. shit. We were talking about it when we were playing sinking city. I kept going. It was another dark night in jazz city. <laughs> you know, we're like, like and cigarettes. Yeah, it was like the whole game was like that. And I was like, oh, no, not another Dark Knight in Jazz City. Not another Uh, Trilby. (laughs) (laughs) But it's also got like a a sexy zombie in it, which I was like not into. (laughs) Hell yeah. Um, There's a Tony Hawk's Pro Silent Hill uh, game called Orange (laughs) County, which is like you're literally skateboarding in the fucking dark and getting hit by cars. And eating lo mein out of vending machines. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the fuck is the point of this? I don't Listen, know. man. I was just in LA and they did not have lo mein and vending machines. <laughs> <laughs> that would be tight. Agreed. I just didn't get that one. Oh, m- most egregiously, Snowy Castle. Did you play Snowy Castle? Uh, yeah, I'm not good with the names though. I played all of them, but which okay. one was that? Snowy Castle. You walk around and you light candles in a snowy castle. Mm. You like literally walk around a castle lighting candles. Like, what the fuck is the point? Why did you put this out? Why did you develop this game? <laughs> wow. And there's just yeah, a counter really in the corner, and you just gotta light 25 fucking candles or whatever. Damn, you get like, salty, dude. I'd rather just take a dump or something. <laughs> <laughs> snowy castle yeah dude garbage confirmed so yeah gamers just take a shower instead of playing snowy castle or something it's a better <laughs> better way to spend 10 minutes yeah for sure some of these games the um they, they have a lot of potential but they need more time in the oven there's one i told yeah. you um the one that you didn't like that i told you to give another try it's called erasure yeah it's a tanky survival horror game with these like weird circular kind of hacking puzzles yeah um but apparently you're like the manager of this like warehouse where you have to take care of these uh suspended animation pods yeah and one of the suspended animation pods is like a killer or serial killer and the the killer starts hacking into the other suspended animation pods there's some like really freaky glitchy shit and I feel like Erasure has a lot of potential but it it, it needs more time in the oven. Well, and I think that game has the problem that a f- good chunk of these games do. I would say mm-hmm. that was also like my big problem with Dead Heat and a couple others that I played where 
it has some cool ideas and it even has some pretty complex systems mm-hmm. but there's like there's no manual there's nothing explaining the systems to you right so you either figure it out or you don't and when i didn't if everything else around the game wasn't super compelling and i wasn't just like really compelled to keep playing i just didn't mm-hmm. and i think that a few like dead heat's actually a great example because it seems like there's some really deep systems in that game like there it, it has this whole weird like rhetoric system and all the stuff that's hinting at but i was just like how do i even use this stuff yeah and so like some of the games really benefit from the sort of like no preamble just throw you into the game type of thing like i mm-hmm. think ode to a moon and sauna 2000 like really benefit from that and then some of the other more traditional games are really hurt by that actually yeah and also like the lack of controller support on some of them and the confusing controls on some of them and the glitchiness like you might get thrown into a game just immediately be like what the fuck is this yeah yeah for sure well okay so there's one more game i really wanted to talk about which was killer bees did you play this one (laughs) yeah um killer bees has killer style i mean it's it's got the bubble crt effect it's really spooky really dark it kind of feels like a first person silent hill and it does freaky things like out of the corner of your eye you'll see something that's there and disappears yeah you'll, you'll see a fucking vision of a guy crucified in an apartment hallway and shit but all the bad guys are swarms of killer bees and yeah. you shoot them with a pistol until they yeah. die <laughs> like what the fuck is going on it's like Alan Wake and the birds, dude, all over again. Oh, Christ. Uh, <laughs> Killer Bees does have, like, a, a really cool vibe, though. Um, yeah, Killer Bees, it it ticked some boxes for me, pushed some buttons. I was like, you're doing a cool thing. I don't think it all came together. No. Uh, the look even was a little too slathered on. Mm-hmm. The different elements, like the psychedelic effects and the combat and all that stuff, didn't really cohere it mm-hmm. felt the most like I was just pushing forward in a video game. Yeah. yeah. Which is not good. There's another really weird one that's very dreamlike and kind of pets copy. It's called Fatum Betula. Did you play oh, that yeah. one? Yeah. It's got it's got like a a puzzly PS1 adventure game vibe. But then there's like cute characters in it, but you can kill them and they like die permanently. Yeah. And some of them are real nightmarish. And there's like a. There's a shed on an island where you can go fishing. But in that shed, there's a bed. You can fall asleep and when you wake up, you're in like a glitch world. And it's very nightmarish yeah. and creepy. Yeah. Um, that one's notable. I don't know if it has a point to it all. But that one yeah. gave me like strong, like you may Nikki vibes. Yeah. That was one. See, and that's the thing is that. If I had had even more time to spend with this game, I think maybe I would have even had a slightly different list or like an appended mm. list because there were a few games, Erasure being one of them and that being another one, where I was like, I need to come back to this. And that's kind of the beauty of the demo disc is you can. You can just yeah. tinker with it and see what happens. Yeah. Look at no. Keep that demo disc, broke kids. Put, <laughs> put that one in a spare jewel case. You lost your Soundgarden CD? Use yeah. the Soundgarden jewel case and conserve yeah, this dude. one. 
Hell yeah. Spoon man, dude. <laughs> we don't need that. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I, I thought this project overall was great. Um, I really enjoyed playing it. Um, I don't know. It's like uh, gamers are always uh, complaining about the prices of things. They want shit for free. And here's something where the free aspect of it is actually a part of the artistic vision. It's great. Everyone should play this. No excuses. Your crappy computer can run it. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, um, as an aspiring little indie Unity dev, it's 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 inspiring to see you know all these little simple games slapped together. I don't know. It's cool. I like it. Yeah, do it's it. great. Go download it and play it. Let us know what you guys think. Jump in the Discord. Tell us your favorite games. Tell us your favorite games that we missed or slagged off unfairly. Mm, Tell us. We want to know. It's a game club. Yes. And I want some tasty, tasty ramen. (laughs) No, James, you've had enough. I want some tasty Polish ramen. Polish (laughs) listeners. That sounds kind of cool, actually. Well, speaking of game club, speaking of game club, actually, I got to throw this in there that apparently people now make regional crazy variants of ramen. And I saw my brother-in-law sent me this thing that there's like Egyptian ramen now where they use this. Yeah, they use like different spices and they use this plant called molochia instead of noodles. Mm. So it's like, I don't know. It looked really, really good. And I was like, damn. Because I ate some ramen, some normal-ass ramen yesterday at the ramen place down the street. It was really good, but still dreaming of that Egyptian ramen, dude. Boy, I'm going to be in Japan in two weeks. I'm going to be fucking with that ramen. Dude, fuck up some ramen. Yes, Try and find man. some weird ramen. Like the blue ramen? Have you seen that? <laughs> no, I don't know what that is. It's I mean, like try and find Powerade, the... Dude. dude. Try and find the Polish ramen. Ramen with, like, sausage in it or something. Midwestern ramen. It's just, like, corn and depression. <laughs> no, it'd be a casserole, but just really watery. Like <laughs> a tuna casserole. Yikes. Some potato chips on top. That's the one. Uh, so what is Game Club? Game Silent Club. Hill 4. We're doing Silent Hill 4. We're doing a uh, fucking Dino Crisis eventually. Fucking Dino Crisis. Holy yeah. shit, man. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, other things on the horizon. Yeah, so the release schedule is a mess, and it's going to just keep getting messier. Yeah. So I'm just, we should just keep saying those two games. And well, then. Also, fucking Resident Evil 3 remakes coming out soon. So we're going to have to yeah. fucking put everything else on hold for that, some bitch. Yeah. And we, as we've mentioned before, we did a couple episodes that are just topics that we haven't put out yet. And we're doing a couple more of those. Yeah. And we're doing a like a crossover episode. Should we talk about that? Should we say that? Nah. Fuck nah. Em. Okay. There's a there's well basically. I mean, I hope you're not frustrated because the release schedule is all over the place. But it's for a good reason, which is that there's gonna be a lot of fun and weird episodes popping out at you out of nowhere. And yeah, yeah, just keep playing Silent Hill Four, keep playing Down Crisis. I know y'all haven't finished that shit, so just get I get back on it. Oh yeah, me neither. <laughs> no way. <laughs> <laughs>